New series, it's called Leadership Rising. Leadership Rising. We want to create a, an environment around here of leadership, a culture of leadership. During this series, we're going to talk about how good leaders make life better for everyone around them, and in doing so, they make their own lives fulfilling, meaningful. Now, I'll be honest with you, for a long time, I was kind of turned off by this leadership thing. I didn't even like the term leader. I know there's a bunch of you in here that feel the same way. Oh, I'm not the leader. Don't call me the leader. You know, we've got so much baggage around that. But it's because we have an inaccurate idea of what leadership is and what leaders really do. That was my problem. One idea I had, uh, I had developed over the years about leadership was was the schmoozer, you know? That's even hard to say that, schmoozer, you know? <laughs> That's the, the guy or the gal who, who uses smooth talk to get you to do whatever they want you to do, even if you don't want to do it. <laughs> They're a manipulator. This guy plays with people's emotions, pushes the right buttons so it can benefit him in, in a certain way. When this guy uses the phrase win-win, it usually means they won both times, okay? Another flawed idea of leadership I had was the tyrant, the guy that's the bully. Of course, you see this in leadership many times. This is the guy or the gal who demands too much from others, more than they can possibly do. No job is ever satisfactory. No amount of effort is ever good enough. I've known business people who fall under this category. They're usually successful in the world's eyes, but everybody that works for them is miserable. I've known pastors that fall into this category. Same thing. In the world's eyes, they look successful, but the people that work around them are miserable. Those are spiritual tyrants. And they tend to have a high turnover rate among staff, among volunteer leaders, even among church members. The tyrant demands that the job comes first above all else. Now, the flip side of this coin is the people pleaser. The leader who cares more about being liked than about leading. He not only is afraid of demanding too much, sometimes he doesn't demand anything. Have you seen the, the, the show The Office? It, it's a show, a, a sitcom thing. Every boss... Every parent, anyone leading in any capacity ought to watch a couple of episodes of this because it is a case study in what leaders should not do to accomplish anything. Here are a few short clips of this main character. His name is Michael Scott. If you're like me, when you watch this, you're going to cringe thinking that I could have actually done that before. Watch this. People say I am the best boss. They go, God, we've never worked in a place like this before. You're hilarious. And you get the best out of us. Um, I think that pretty much sums it up. I found it at Spencer Gifts. Do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. I have to be liked. But it's not like this compulsive need to be liked, like my need to be praised. I saved a life, my own. 
Am I a hero? I really can't say, but yes. It was kind of a slap in the face to realize that I wasn't as important as I thought I was to a certain young executive who I'd cared about, but you know, I'm not gonna cry over it. I did that in the car on the way home. Who donated that hospital wing that is saving so many lives? Um, well, I, I don't know, it was anonymous. Well, guess what? That was Michael Scott. But I, it was anonymous, how do you know? Because I'm him. Yep. At different times, I have played the role of people pleaser, or maybe the role of tyrant, even the schmoozer. Every leader who isn't intentional about leadership or principled in their leadership runs the risk of veering off course. So this is why we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about leadership, maximizing our roles as leaders. Now, if you think this series is not for you, you need to think again. As John Maxwell, an author and leadership guru, says, leadership is influence. That's the bottom line definition of leadership. It's influence. Influence. If you have influence over anyone, a teacher with students, a manager with a sales team, even a friend to a friend, a mom with children. You could even be in sitting in second chair and you can influence the person in the first chair. Any capacity of leadership at all, this is for you. That really includes everybody. We're all leaders in some capacity. Now, there's another very important thing about leadership, and that's balance. Knowing when to hang on, knowing when to let go, knowing when to charge in, knowing when to retreat, knowing when to be tough, knowing when to be tender. When leaders achieve balance in these types of things, not only are they fulfilled beyond their imaginations, but those they lead are so blessed. They get so much out of it. Now today we're going to begin this series by looking at leaders as a servant. A leader is a servant. We sometimes confuse leadership with entitlement. See, the, the servant thing doesn't seem to go along, but the leader usually gets the biggest office. The leader usually gets the highest salary. The leader gets the best perks. That's true in a lot of cases. But leadership is not all about the perks and the bonuses and the square footage the higher up the ladder you go, the more opportunity you create to value other people. To value other people, not yourself. Here's what the greatest leader of all time said. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be greatest of all must be the slave of all. Now, when I first read that, that, that word slave, I thought, oh, I don't know. You know, maybe I should find another word. Let me look under another translation. I looked in 12 translations 
Only two moved away from the word slave. Pretty obvious that it means something strong in the area that we don't usually think about in leadership. Jesus said, I am the Messiah and I am not here to be served, but to help others. To serve. In the same way, we are all called to serve, to help. That's what it's all about, being in the the family of God. Helping each other. You'll hear the term around here, servant leadership. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Servant leadership. Well, that's the best description of a good biblical leader. But how do we do that? How do we become that? For a leader who wants to lead like Jesus, there are really three areas that we're encouraged to practice so we can get a hold of this thing called servant leadership. Here's the first one. Leaders serve everyone in their path. Leaders serve everyone in their path. Now, let's be careful with this one. Listen how this is worded. worded. It doesn't mean you have to serve everybody in the world. You serve everybody in your path. Who lays out our path for us? Who directs our steps? If God is leading you down a path and there's a person in that path, yes, that's who you serve. Albert Schweitzer said, whenever a man turns, wherever a man turns, he will find someone who needs him. How many times do we say, oh, I just don't feel needed? Well, it's not about you. How can you help others? People need you. People need you. Living in the Atlanta area for about 15 years uh, got me well acquainted with the Chick-fil-A Corporation. I played in golf tournaments hosted by Chick-fil-A. Truett Cathy, the founder of the company, spoke at my daughter's high school baccalaureate service. And of course, I've been known to put down a few Chick-fil-A combo meals. So I know all about (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Something Mr. Cathy put in place a few years ago was to change the way people were greeted as they walked up to the counter or drove up to the window. Usually when you go into a store or a restaurant or somebody's office, they will ask you a question. What can I do for you? It's often said, though, with a a tone that really means, okay, what are you using my time up for now? What will it take for me to get you out of this office quickly? Chick-fil-A leaders and associates ask people a different question. How may I serve you? That's what they ask. How may I serve you? It's a pleasure serving you. I mean, they almost make you sick when you hear, you hear that 40 times when you walk in there. But it's for a reason. There's a different tone to that question. You see, Truett Cathy was a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. And he knew the way Jesus would lead a chicken sandwich company. He would serve. You wouldn't hear him complaining. You wouldn't hear him say, hey, I'm the boss here, do what I say. The only thing you'd see Jesus do is help people around him. Truett would even ask the same question to his employees. How may I serve you? What can I do to help you do your job more effectively? Every team member knew that Truett Cathy's attitude was always, how can I serve my employees? Many bosses, many team leaders, many coaches, many parents do the exact 
opposite. They approach their leadership role with, I'm the top dog and you're here to do my bidding. Right? Jesus taught us that leadership is about being a servant. He said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the greatest, he, he heightens that and then heightens the other end of it. You've got to be a slave. A slave. Now, I, I want to put a little ditty in here, a little side note. I've been hearing lately on the media that the Bible promotes slavery. Have you heard that? People saying that? The Bible does not promote slavery. The Bible speaks to the culture that's already there. When Jesus talked about slaves, he wouldn't say, oh, way to go, I'm so glad you have slaves. He, wasn't say- he was talking to slaves and their masters and the relationship. That was part of the culture. So I'm on my soapbox here, I know, but don't think the Bible promotes slavery. It doesn't. The Bible speaks to culture. That's why you have to look into the, the, the culture at the time to understand some things in the Bible. All right. I'll shut up about that. <laughs> but parents, isn't this a new approach to raising your kids? Bosses, isn't this a totally different approach from running your business? Team leaders, it's a new approach to leading ministry teams. Your job is to serve. So what does that mean? Well, it does not mean that you do their jobs for them. doesn't mean that. What it does mean is you give them what they need most in order for them to be able to do what they need to do. I want to give you an example of this using myself. Uh, most of you know that I was heavily involved in the music business. From an early age, I was leading rock and roll bands and uh, uh, studio recording sessions. I was uh, leading theater productions from high school through college well into my adulthood. When I committed my life to Jesus Christ, a little shift happened, and God had me move all that stuff into the music of the church. Quite a natural shift for me. Well, what became evident over time in the church's fine arts department was how hard it was for for people to see the difference between serving and feeding. Serving and feeding. You hear that term around the church every once in a while. Well, I'm going to go look for another church. I'm just not getting fed here. Have you heard that before? Have you used it before? Well, here's what I mean. Every week, I would pick music to go along with the, ser- the sermon of the day. Uh, uh, dramas or uh, video clips, whatever it was examples, illustrations. I would learn songs. The reason I would have to learn all the songs is because I wrote all the charts for the musicians. Everything I could do, I would do it. I would slave over the elements for a worship service. I'd mail packets to everyone with all they needed for, the, for that given Sunday. They'd get the music charts. They'd get the list of how it was going to go. They'd get back in those days the cassette tape of all the music. Without fail, a few band members would come to rehearsal unprepared, expecting me to teach them the parts. Well, I would sit down with them after a few times of this, and I'd talk to them a little bit like this. I'd say, now as a gifted eater, one who eats, 
when you go to a restaurant, you're greeted by people who serve you. But those servers or those slaves never do the feeding. They never take a spoon and put food in your mouth. You have to eat yourself. All they do is present you with the food you ask for. You have to do the eating. In other words, my slaving was giving them whatever they needed to do their own ministry. It wasn't my ministry. The guitar wasn't my guitar. It was the guitar players. It was their ministry. I was just there to serve their needs so they could do their job more effectively, not me doing the ministry for them. That's why Jesus said, I'm not here to be served but to help others, to help others. There's a verse in the Bible that says that, that pastors, and, and I'm not the only pastor here. There's a lot of people in the role of pastor, shepherding, overseeing things. The job of the pastor is to equip people to do the work of the ministry. Now you're in the hot seat, okay? You, you, you didn't even think that was funny. <laughs> you're a little nervous now, aren't you? Leaders, our job is not to be served, but we're to serve those we lead. Our job is to to serve them, to minister to them, to empower them to do what they need to do. My leadership goal should be for my team to shine. That's my goal, for them to shine. They should get the credit for what they do to lead others. All right, we got that one? That's leaders. We should serve everyone we come in the path of or they come into our path. Here's a second way a leader is called to serve. Serve the situation at hand. Not just the person, but the situation. A good example of this is my wife, Terry. I sometimes describe Terry as a person who's almost attracted to chaos and she jumps in there and brings order and then she's gone. She has done this time and time again. One of those times was at our church in Tampa. The nursery was a mobile building way in the back behind most of the buildings of the church. To get there, a parent would have to walk out of the sanctuary through a a fellowship hall, outside across this big patio, around the gym, across a dirt parking lot, which... When it rained, when it got wet, that became a mud pit for high heels. You know how that can be. Now, the kids were being taken care of. There were a few women in there who loved them, cared for them. They, they knew why they were doing it, too. They, they were doing it to allow the parents to come to the worship service so they didn't have to worry about their kids the whole time. It, it was all kind of a good plan, but nobody was really taking care of this issue. Well, enter Terry, the chaos magnet. Within a few short weeks, she worked things out to free up a classroom right across from the sanctuary, just across the fellowship hall. She uh, moved everything over into that new room. She recruited a few volunteers, and she came up with a system for everything to run like clockwork. You see, she took charge of the situation and served it well. She wasn't even the leader 
of the nursery. She just took that situation and let it. Now, I don't remember what her next project was. She probably went found something else to clean up. But I'm telling you, that nursery grew in its effectiveness. That's what leaders need to be able to do. Leadership is not about barking orders from on high. It's about helping people get through the next few steps. Leaders know how to ask and how to answer the right questions. Like, what does this situation require of me? How can I serve this situation? (coughs) People often ask this. What kind of leadership style should I use? Should I become? They ask this especially after they go to a leadership seminar. (coughs) Excuse me. I just swallowed a gnat. (laughs) And they'll ask questions like this. Well, what kind of leader should I be? A visionary leader? Should I be a strategic leader? Should I be a uh, a managing leader? An entrepreneur? A bridge builder? A team builder? What, What should I do? The answer is, yes. (laughs) Yes, you should do all of those whenever the situation calls for it. Leaders don't go around looking for situations that only apply to their style of leadership. Now, I understand that you are a certain style. You you need to kind of live there mostly. But there are times when you need to kind of step out of that comfort zone. There are times... When it's tempting to do nothing. Like this. In the second chapter of Mark, there's a story about four guys who are bringing their paralytic friend to Jesus to be healed. And uh, they can't get into this house where Jesus is speaking. The place is packed. The crowd is spilling out into the street. So these four guys take their friend up on the roof. They make a hole and they lower him down to Jesus. They really took charge. Think of how many other people were there. People who who needed to talk to Jesus, who needed something from Jesus. But because the crowd was too big, they just kind of backed off, tempted to do nothing. Ken Blanchard wrote The One-Minute Manager. He said, there's no single best style of leadership. Effective leadership is a task-relevant thing. It's task-relevant leadership. It's about what's in front of you. Leaders don't just step back and say, well, let someone else do it, or, or I don't see anything. Leaders just can't do this. Thank you, Ken. All right. Get that gnat down the rest of the way. (laughs) All right. Listen to what Paul says. Be very careful then how you'll live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. We need to make the most of every opportunity. Leaders serve the moment. They make the most of every circumstance. They ask, what does this situation call me to do? And then they do it. That's what it's about. They serve the situation. Now here's the third area in which leaders are called to serve. 
Leaders need to serve the main thing. In other words, leaders have to have their priorities straight. Got to get them there. It's easy for leaders to make the mistake of letting a secondary issue become top priority. Don't we do that? The tyranny of the urgent. Rex Ryan, he, he is known as the player's coach. He's boasted about that with his players from time to time. He used to be the coach of the New York Jets. And uh, he would brag about it because he said that we had such a player-focused atmosphere. Well, he may have been right. It appears that most players enjoyed playing for him. He must be a really nice guy. But the problem is that the Jets weren't winning that much. (laughs) And Ryan can talk about all the great morale that they had in the locker room, the great practices they had. But if his team wasn't winning on Sunday, well, then they've lost sight of the main thing, which is for an NFL team to win games. That's what they're there for. Leaders understand that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Did you get that one? Can you say it? Leaders' job, their main job, is to keep the main thing the main thing. They need to be able to help those around them and then keep their eye on the goal. We cannot afford to forget why we're here and to what end we work. For a team, the goal is to win games. For a business, the goal is to turn a profit. For a family, what, what's the goal there? That's, sometime, that's something that every parent needs to ask, needs to think about. You know what a winning team looks like. You know what a, a winning business looks like. What does a winning family look like? Is it clean rooms and nice clothes? The best schools, good grades? Those things are really nice, certainly important, but do they top the list of what you want in your children? What about the church? What's the goal here? What does a winning church look like? Is it a balanced budget, nice building, a full room? Those things are great, but do they top the list of what God wants from us? We know what our goal is here. It's to become Christ-like and then help others to become Christ-like. Great leaders know what's most important in their areas of leadership. And they do what's most important in their area of leadership. Stephen Covey wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule but to schedule your priorities. That makes sense. It's not about getting things on your, that's already on your list prioritized. It's about fi- figuring out what's priority and putting that on your to-do list. A leader makes sure those things get done, the important things, the big things. Covey also tells a story uh, that demonstrates this idea of keeping priorities straight. He, he saw this demonstrated in a seminar. The leader showed the audience this empty, wide-mouthed gallon jar, and then he put as many rocks in it as he could fit. And he asked the crowd, is this container full? Everyone said yes. 
The leader gave them a smile and then poured some gravel into the jar. And it filled the crevices between the rocks. He asked again, is it full? They were already catching on. They go, well, probably not. What are you going to do next? So then he poured some sand in the jar. Filled it up a little bit more. Now is it full? The crowd knew now. They said, no, it's not full. He put water in it then. And then he asked, what's the point here? Somebody raised their hand and said, well, there are gaps in our lives, and if we really work hard, we can fill all the gaps up. He said, no, that's not it. He said, here's the point. If you hadn't put the big rocks in first, you would have never gotten them in. Got to put the big things in first. You got to take care of that. Start with the big stuff. You don't fill up your to-do list with appetizer to-do things. You start by serving the main course, the most important item on your menu. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness. Go after God first, and then everything else will be added. That's the big rock, the cornerstone, Jesus. It's tempting for leaders to fill their schedule with sand and gravel and water. But those things are just filler. The main thing is for the leader to keep the main thing the main thing. So that's a leader's threefold responsibility, looking at it this way, as a servant. To serve people, to serve the situation at hand, and to serve the top priority. It's our challenge to balance each one of those. They all move up and down from time to time, but we've got to keep those in balance. We've got to keep those three plates spinning. Leaders need to get into the habit of asking questions around every turn, every day. What does this person need from me? What does this situation require of me? And what am I doing in pursuit of my greatest priorities? Those are some tough questions. And we don't spend a lot of time asking them and answering them. We need to get better at that. So that's what we're doing through this series. We're going to see if we can raise the leadership culture at Cornerstone Christian Church. Now, I want you to do something real quick. Raise your hand up. Everybody in the room, raise one hand up. Now, I had just asked the question, who are the leaders in the room? Okay? We're all leaders. We're all influencers. People are looking at us. Let's let it happen. Let's let the Holy Spirit use us. So what we're going to do is communion now. We're going to share the Lord's Supper together. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. But I always like to, it takes a little while to stand in line and come up and get everything. People are sitting still for a while. I want you to think about something. Ask God, how do you want me leading? Where do you want me leading? Who do you want me leading? What's my top priority? Ask those questions while we're remembering Jesus. We do communion about once a quarter here. And it's to remember. We should remember this every minute of of every day. But this is a kind of a great word picture. The broken cracker that's pierced, resembling what they did to Jesus' body. 
in, in the cup of juice representing his blood that he spilled, every drop of it he spilled for us. We're remembering that. And when, when we say we remember Jesus, when we say we follow Jesus, when we say we believe in Jesus, it means we believe everything about him, everything he did, every example he gave us, everything he taught us. So be thinking about his teaching to you of how he wants to use you in a leadership role. Second chair, first chair, tenth chair, doesn't matter. Ask him that. So let me give you some instructions. We're going to have an usher up front, an usher in the back in the middle here. They'll release you by rows. The front people are coming up here. Get your elements. Go back around. The back people will go back there. Come back around into your seat. And uh, we'll wait for everybody and, and take the elements together. After the band leads us in a song, um, and you're dismissed, we're going to take a benevolence offering, okay? We have a benevolence team here that's awesome. They spend their time praying for people and, and meeting with people and, and hearing their needs, and, and we give them money to give these people, to just bless them. And they do a great job of praying how God wants this done and, and who he wants it to and all that stuff. So if you want to be a part of that, you can just drop your uh, offering out on your way out when the usher stand there. So would you please come forward and let's share in the Lord's Supper together.
said, every time you do this, remember me. Every time. They were having a meal. Makes me wonder if every time we eat, we shouldn't remember Jesus. <laughs> every time you do this, remember me. Remember what I did. He took all of our sins. Took all of our sins. He wiped them out. He died for us and he rose from the dead to prove that what he said was true. So together, eat, body of Jesus. The blood had a whole lot of power when it drained out of Jesus. The sacrifice of all sacrifices, one time, it's all that was needed. It's done. You know that blood still has power. Every time we sin and ask God to forgive us, it's still powerful enough to forgive us. The blood of Jesus. Let's drink together. Let's pray. God Almighty, there just can't be anybody even close to you when it comes to leadership. You know exactly how to do it. You know exactly how not to do it. <laughs> you know who should do it, when they should do it. Jesus, you were an awesome example of a leader. Leading by serving. Showing illustration after illustration, like kneeling down and washing the feet of your disciples. Teaching us a lesson. That every time we want to influence, every time we lead, we need to do it with the attitude of Jesus Christ, the greatest servant leader of all. We thank you, God. We ask you to help us as we move through this series. Help us to, to become better at this thing called leadership that we're so afraid of. Help us to... Lord, you, did, you didn't give us a spirit of fear. Your word says you did not give us a timid spirit. You gave us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So let it come out. Let that flow into us and come out to others. And let us learn about it through this series that you're giving us. And we thank you for it. And we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.